Hi folks. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the United States Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade on June 24, a decision that has stripped away the right to have safe and legal abortion in the United States. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all people, something we've already seen with abortion bans and restrictions in countries like Poland and Malta. This decision has dire consequences and can have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions within the United States. We at IRCB encourage our audience, American and otherwise, to learn more about what you can do to help at choice.crd.co. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Now on to the show. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, the first base captain and star pitcher of the IRCB Little League team, Paul Jaceley. Hey there, humanoids. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. I know the greatest joke I've ever pulled on this show is that we're a baseball team. Uh, but you know, <laughs> one day we're going to have jerseys and we're going to have jackets and all that kind of stuff. So we're getting there. Hopefully that's what I'll work on over the summer break. But speaking of the summer break, that's what's happening after this week's episode. We are going on our yearly July month takeoff so everyone can go on vacation and we can get on our private jets and fly across the country and do all those special things we can't do because we have to record the show every week on Sunday. But for those of you who are sticking around and want to listen to more episodes of IRCB, we have got an incredible lineup coming. We're going to debut all of the first episodes or some of the first episodes of the many Patreon series that we've released. I'm talking IRCB Movie Club, where it's me, Brian, and Paul talking about movies that are tangentially or adapted re- adapted from comics. Uh, me and Mike and Paul read Doom Patrol episode one. This is where Paul and I, we talked all about Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, every single volume through thick and thin. There was even a two-parter <laughs> in the middle of that series because of how Mm -hmm. big that run was Uh, and then giant days of our lives which is brian Kara, and kate lamphere as they went through every single volume of giant days and it's a wonderful series from start to finish we've got some fantastic art for that one that you can go buy a t-shirt for if you haven't seen that yet but it's a great series if you read giant days you're going to love it and finally the biggest series ircb has ever recorded (laughs) and that is a better batmobile episode one featuring me and paul the whole series includes all the various folks from ircb but the first episode is me and paul and this is going through grant morrison's run on batman you know paul you're here could you tell the folks Mm -hmm. at home a little bit more about that series Sure. Yeah. Uh, So Grant Morrison wrote Batman for about seven or eight years uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, it's one of my favorite Batman runs. Obviously, Morrison is one of my favorite comic book writers. So they them writing Batman was right up my alley. Um, It's kind of the book that got me back reading comics again regularly. So it's kind of an important series to me. And it's one of those runs that when I go back and revisit, I see a lot of thematic elements, recurring ideas and such in the series. So I kind of want to talk about it in depth with everybody on the show. It's really fun. Uh, some people are rereading this stuff. Some people are reading it for the first time. Um, yeah, and it's been a fun journey. Kate and I just recorded the most recent episode talking about the return of Bruce Wayne. Um, it's good, great stuff. Even if you've not read the series, I think there's a lot there to unpack and enjoy. So, uh, And if you want a summer reading project, there you go. You can read all of Grant Morrison's Batman along with us. Yeah, that's that's the that's the biggest sell right there. You need something to do this summer. Why not read all of Grant Morrison's Batman? So we're going to be dropping all of those on the feed. If you haven't listened to them, now you get some early access or instant access to these series that have been behind the big, massive paywall that we have, which actually <laughs> isn't that massive. Um, but yeah, if, if you like that kind of stuff, you can get all of that and so much more. We've got a ton of other stuff that's coming down the pipeline on our Patreon, but we want to give everyone a preview with everything that we've debuted so far. Oh, yeah. And if you want to get into that, it's five bucks a month to get access to everything that we've done. We've got 
tons and tons of episodes of of these various series. Um, IRCB Movie Club, we just hit 10 episodes. Paul and Mike Green, Doom Patrol, I think was eight or nine episodes long. Yeah. Giant Days of Our Lives was 14 and a half episodes long. That's what we're going to call it. Better Batmobile is going to be 10 episodes long. Plus, there's the book versus book series that we did way back in the day. Uh, the IRCB Star Wars series that we're doing. Episode two is very close <laughs> to coming out. Imagine if you could watch IRC or Star Wars with the IRCB crew and maybe there was a video component. Who would have thought something like that could ever exist? Maybe you'd be interested in that. Episode two is coming this July and episode three. I'm giving like full spoilers for everything that I'm dropping during the, the summer months. But um, <laughs> we've got two more episodes of that coming out. The first two episodes of the Star Wars series. All of that for five bucks a month. Um, it's an incredible deal as far as I'm concerned. We put so much time and effort into that on top of this regular show. Um, I think you're really, really going to dig it. The other thing I want to say, this is the longest intro for the show ever. Uh, <laughs> after we get back from our summer break, this is the this is going to be... This is amazing. It's the first time it's happened in a very long time. Uh, we have two new people joining the IRCB crew. Um, we have some fantastic voices you've heard on the show before. Paloma, who's been on an episode or an episode a little while back, 282, chock full of left turns. If you listen to that and you enjoyed Paloma's voice, uh, she's going to be coming to the show. And Danny, Danny Martinez from the Next mm -hmm. Issue Pod is joining IRCB. We're going to have Danny and Paloma rotating in with the rest of the group, but it's going to be a fantastic thing. Danny, who was on the show for episode 268, How Do You Choose the Format to Read Your Comics? He also co-hosted the Candy Bar Antler Boy series. So everyone get on the Discord and tag him and celebrate him and Paloma for, for coming onto the show. It's going to be really, really fun um, once we get back from our summer break. But... Now that we're done with that, and I'm, uh, I can take a breath finally, <laughs> I have a question, two questions really to ask you two, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I have been okay. Comic books have been incredible. I am so glad that we did this, like, what was your favorite thing that you read last year topic, because it got me to read two books that I never would have grabbed otherwise, or rather hadn't known to grab otherwise um that i have just loved so much so i'm so excited to talk about that in the second half and then uh i also grabbed squire after hearing about it um from you mike on a different episode that it was coming out and you were excited mm -hmm. about it this is mm -hmm. the book by sarah alfaji um and nadia shamas who both co-wrote it and then sarah is the illustrator and it's been so good. I am about 25% of the way through. This is a hefty OGN. Like you could probably kill a rat with this thing if you swung it. Um, <laughs> so it's it's not a sit and read in one setting. It's sit and read it like a novel sort of situation. But I just love it so much so far. It has um, really beautiful, expressive artwork. And the story is reading like a Tamara Pierce novel, which is exactly what I was hoping for. The girl becoming a knight thing, the teenage girl <laughs> against the odds. There's also the pull quote from Molly Knox Ostertag on the cover, which was the other big selling point um, for me. And yes, it is very similar to some of her work. Um, cannot recommend enough. So far, grain of salt, maybe it takes a tur hard turn, left turn in that 30% point, and then you can't blame me for that. <laughs> but otherwise, did you read this yet, Mike? I did, and I'm, I'm going to save my thoughts until you read it. I'm just going to say that. Okay, okay. For good or for bad. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. I also just finished reading The Return of Bruce Wayne for A Better Batmobile with Paul, um, the 
arc by Grant Morrison that's basically like Batman through time and Bat Batman fights cavemen, Batman fights Puritans and pirates. Oh my. And that was a blast to talk about and all that. So I'm really excited that people are going to get to sample um, these series. Also that I'm going to get to sample some of them because they're, I'll be real. I haven't actually listened to start of some of these, like the saga one. So I think that'll mm. be fun this summer. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I very much look forward to the episode that you both recorded. I uh, listening to it at least because uh, so far, so th- like, it's been really interesting to hear how other people approach Batman <laughs> with uh, Paul at the center. Like I'm telling you guys, the better Batmobile is the most fun series we've recorded so far. And oh. saga of saga and uh, giant days of our lives were incredibly fun. So like, I'm just saying the the bar has been raised. I was gonna say it was definitely a fun episode just because Paul and I are like polar Batman opposites where I've read like three <laughs> Batman books in my life and they were yeah. all like Scott Snyder new 52 Batman. I think I read uh, three or four of those. There, I don't remember which arc it is that it gets really boring, but in like half of the readership fell off, uh-oh. but I was in that half. <laughs> oh no. And so that's like my only experience with Batman. Um, Mm-hmm. I see. So yeah, I was coming in and like did, missed almost all the references. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, that was pretty fun. I, I did think it was funny that you volunteered for that episode because there was the one of the episodes that had a number one in the mm-hmm. reading list. I was like, eh, it's not really mm-hmm. a good jumping on point, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, DC told me. DC but it does, told me it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> they lied. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it does have a you know uh, Pilgrim Batman. Who uh, if that doesn't get you to to read that book, I don't know what will. So. <laughs> pirate batman that's what would <laughs> oh sure oh, man now, now i'm very much looking forward to reading these comics to, to get caught up on the show <laughs> oh paul what about you how have you been how have comic books been I'm, I'm doing well mike um west michigan weather report for anyone that's curious since nick's not here uh today <laughs> it looks like it's about um uh, upper 70s and sunny here in michigan which is actually kind of a relief we had some brutally hot 90 degree days recently so yeah. a nice little summer reprieve here it does feel like summertime here in west michigan and i've been um slowly w- making my way through a giant stack of comics i picked up last time I was at the shop uh two books that were on the top of my list i want to talk about here today uh oddly enough were both horror stories so i don't know maybe that's the theme especially considering the book I picked for the topic for today. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're in a very specific <laughs> so the first one I was talking, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening with me, but uh, I did read The Closet Number 1, written by James Tinney IV, uh, art by Gavin Fullerton, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by Tom uh, Napolitano. Again, it's a horror comic written by James Tinney IV. He, they are so good at writing horror comics, and uh, this mm-hmm. first issue grabbed me right away. Such a simple story, but so creepy and effective. The story is basically about the main character, Tom, who's preparing to move his family, his wife, and their young child across the country. Um, and it's clearly stressing him out a little bit. The issue opens with him, instead of doing the tasks he needs to do to begin packing their stuff, he's like at a bar, sort of drowning his sorrows, worried about the trip a little bit. Um, and then the issue sort of ends with him trying to comfort his son, who thinks there's a monster hiding in their his closet in his room. And an idea is like, oh, we're going to move, so you don't have to worry about that. The monster's not going to follow you. And then I won't give away the ending, but I will say that the last couple pages of this book are legitimately creepy, legitimately disturbing. Somehow, Tinian and Fullerton are able to pace it so expertly where it just, you get that that existential dread, the creepiness of the setup of the story, and it just hooks you right away. It's basically paced like a perfect you know horror movie. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to see where this series goes after this. I will say that is definitely one of Tinian's like biggest strengths for me is pacing the the creepy mm-hmm. 
build up suspense mystery stuff without being so slow that you like lose interest. Yeah. Yeah. Very well done. You're and, making me not want to read this book and I've been sitting on it for a couple weeks <laughs> from his sub stack. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's it's really, really good. It's it's well worth okay. the read. But yeah, maybe read it in the middle of the day with all the lights on. Uh you know. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Tinian does, is so good at just giving you just enough information to tell you the story. It's not a ton of exposition, it's, but it suits the creepy vibe of the story. So it's, it's so well done. Um, speaking of perfect comics, I also read That Texas Blood, number 14. Uh, it's written by Chris Condon and art by Jacob Phillips. I love this series so much. It just somehow gets better and better. Uh, issue 14 begins a new story arc that's set in 1992. Uh, 1992 in Ambrose County where the series takes place and uh, it's wintertime there in Texas and wherever they are in Texas, they're going to get a big winter storm. So that's sort of looming over the story, this big storm that's going to come possibly shut down all the power in the town. Um, at the same time, we get hints that a serial killer is on the loose. Uh, the opening, as opposed to the last issue where the, the closing pages were creepy, this issue opens up with one of the scariest sort of slasher flick type openings I've ever seen with some really creepy disturbing artwork from phillips you don't usually see him do that type of stuff but mm -hmm. it's it's not graphic but it, it is unsettling uh it reminds me of like an, a 90s or late 80s slasher flick um and the story from there has some sort of season one true detective vibes to it due to that uh, sort of ritualistic serial killer vibe and then there's um really tense local election that's uh gonna take place and the sheriff joe bob coates who's kind of the main character of this whole series. He's dealing with a lot of personal stuff. It's a very tense comic, but again, the pacing is so well done. It just draws you right in from that first opening scene. It feels like just a, such a well-paced horror story. I love this series overall, and I, I'm so excited that this new story arc is starting off with a bang or, you know, a big slash, I guess. Um, I won't, get, won't tell you exactly right. what happens, but uh, it, it's such a good series. <laughs> if, if you're not reading that Texas Blood, you really should check it out. I think it's such a good story, such a good series. And this this uh, first issue of this new story arc is, might be a good place to jump in if, you're, if you are curious. Yeah, I, I've been sitting on the first volume of this for a while. Um, I'm very curious as to how Jacob Phillips is able to pump out two different books right now at once um, <laughs> yeah. as, a, as an artist. I mean, honestly, like he's working on this and Newburn. Like, how is that possible? Um, but you know what? Yeah. That's fine. I, I'll let yeah. him do whatever he needs to. More Jacob Phillips art in my life is not a bad thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. What's I mean, this series is kind of nice because they do take a few months off between story arcs. So it's been gone for a few months. It's good to have it oh, back. Okay. So that gives him some breathing room in terms of turning that stuff around. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, well, for me, uh, I I am going through a midlife crisis. It seems I decided to shave <laughs> off my beard, uh, and I mean I should say it, it's not really what's happening, but more like I uh, I did decide to try to go for like a really cool look, and so I've got that five o'clock shadow with a mustache thing going on. Um, it's the first time I've seen my face like this in eight or nine years. Um, so every time I look in the mirror, I think that someone is trying to kill me, but it turns out it's just me, and maybe that's the case. But yeah. uh, <laughs> still, uh, so I did that and that was really interesting. Um, I and then I went through, you know, I've been walking around in uh, New York the last couple of days just because I had went in for work and then I went to go see some family that came to town. And uh, yeah, I went into uh, Forbidden Planet because I was in that area and I picked up a couple different books. Specifically, one of those books was 
uh, Clementine book one. This is the new Tilly Walden book that came out. But the I, before I talk about that, I do want to talk about uh, Dragon Ball Super number 85. Uh, if you're not reading Dragon Ball Super, that's okay. I'm not going to say anything that, that Dragon Ball fans don't already know and that you as a person who doesn't read Dragon Ball shouldn't already understand and the fact that this is written by Akira Toriyama or the art by Toyotaru. Dragon Ball is back to doing big guy big fight time and they've been doing it for a while we've been in the middle of this giant fight we've gotten to see goku and vegeta master new powers that they debuted as part of this giant fight and of course they've the the enemy has found a way to surpass them even though they're supposed to be the most powerful fighting styles in the universe um and in multiple dimensions right because that's where we are in terms of power creep with dragon ball um and then of course at the end of this most recent issue goku and vegeta found ways to up those powers and truly mastered them in ways that they never thought they could and then the last page of the issue is the bad guy transforming into a more powerful version of themselves this is so stupid and it is every single shonen trump that or trope that you <laughs> hate to hear about and yet i eat it up like a bag of kettle corn it's bad for me i shouldn't do it my dentist said that i need to stop and yet here i am just loving it from beginning to end so um this is so perfectly dragon ball i love it um, if you haven't read No One Left to Fight, <laughs> I highly recommend you go read that Aubrey Sitterson comic because Aubrey Sitterson encapsulates everything that makes Dragon Ball great to me and adds a layer of depth that Dragon Ball just doesn't have. Um, but if you want like a small sum up of what it feels like when I'm reading Dragon Ball, that book totally nails it. And you don't have to read like 20 years worth of manga. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, I freaking love Dragon Ball. Anyways, yeah, Kate, I'm not saying that Dragon Ball isn't deep. I'm reading the chat right now in Discord, which if you're not on Discord, you should be doing that. Dragon Ball is not deep. It is the most surface level, like two inches of of kiddie pool storytelling ever. And I love it to death. Um, but anyways, let me talk about a book that actually has some depth and was pretty OK. Uh, and that is Clementine Book One. This is by Tilly Walden with cult with colors slash grays i guess um by cliff rathburn of walking dead um somehow i forgot that this was a comic about zombies set in the world of walking dead when i picked it up i knew that as soon as i got home and i said oh yeah this is a zombie book about that's in the walking dead universe i'm i'm as a comic book fan as someone who was very 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 into the walking dead very much over the walking dead um i was over <laughs> it when the comic was still coming out i was over it after yeah. i watched the first three seasons of the tv show i was over it after i watched the first season of fear the walking dead um, but I keep coming back to it. If you can hear that that thing that is not being said in my statements there, I keep coming back to The Walking Dead, even though I'm sick of it. Here I am yet again, coming back to The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> because one, it's Tilly Walden, right? How do you not pick up the next Tilly Walden yeah, book? Yeah, exactly. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's the same stuff that you get out of The Walking Dead, right? There's uh, a really bad world. There's zombies. Everything's in black and white. Um People just are depressed and really numb to the idea of death. There's no point to anyone living, uh, and yet they continue to try. And so this story follows this girl Clementine as she happen, who is a who has a um, an amputated leg, walking through the world. She's just trying to go north. We really don't know what her story is at the beginning, and we don't truly find out all of it even by the end of this book because this is book one of three. It seems. Um, but yeah, like 235 pages of zombie dystopian slice of life with a cliffhanger, but feels one and done is pretty impressive in a world like Walking Dead, where I feel like the precedent for the story is that these stories go on and on and on with whoever survives. 
And while that is the case kind of for Clementine, this book feels strangely hopeful compared to what I've read in The Walking Dead, which is at the in, in the, the most dire of situations, humans will become the biggest monsters worse than zombies trying to eat your skin. Um, right. And that really isn't the case in this book. And I kind of appreciated it for that. Like the book is dire. The book is extremely depressing. The book makes you feel like shit because you're you feel like these people have no hope why am i reading a story about the fact that there's no way for these people to survive Mm -hmm. and yet getting through the whole book i did feel like there was a glimmer of something at the end um and i appreciated that so um i don't know it's if you're looking for something that's depressing this is a good book (laughs) i guess (laughs) yeah for me i'm like i'm definitely reading it because of tilly walden and I'm yeah. definitely getting it on Hoopla, which it's already on for those of you who use Hoopla. It's already available mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's Walking Dead. I'm not paying money for this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting because I I like got a third of the way into the book and I was like, OK, maybe Tilly Walden's going to like flip the script on things a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of tell a different story. And to her to her credit, I think she does tell a more interesting story than I think what happened in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a a strategy or like a a book that's about survival against the zombies and against humans. It truly feels like a book about people who are just trying to survive the worst things ever. And there is this glimmer of hope in everything they do in that. If we can just get through this thing, we actually can survive because they put themselves in a situation where Mm -hmm. there are no zombies now, no spoilers, but like zombies are a part of the story, but like that is not the, the, interesting part of it like the oh no suddenly there are zombies Uh, and it doesn't even feel like a like a negan situation right where there's just someone with a fucking barbed wire bat trying to bash people's head in just to try to prove (laughs) a point right Mm -hmm. the 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 twist in this book i think is is really interesting and i don't know it's it's not a bad book but if you're sick of walking dead and you think you're looking for going to get something completely different that is not the case if this is still a walking dead story um (laughs) it just has a slightly a different silver lining than than maybe other zombie stories yeah and i i want to be clear that i'm not hating on walking dead i read many volumes of the comic and watched many seasons of the show and loved it it's just like you're Mm -hmm. saying i i hit a threshold where there was a certain point where i had had my my fill of that that world and that storyline um especially when it got so depressing about humans being the real monsters it was just like (laughs) okay we get it people suck (laughs) i know right i know so yeah um the only downside of this book is i will warn you the next book isn't coming out until 2023 because obviously it takes time to put together a 235 Mm -hmm. page of you know story (laughs) um but tilly walden's art is fantastic from start to finish so at least you'll have that and you can always go back and reread it you know um but anyways, yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out in the near future. Let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, new, old, whatever you want it to be. Let's uh, kick things back over to you, Paul. What are you looking forward to next? Um, I am looking forward to Batman Catwoman number 12. This is the final issue of the maxi series written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann, colors by Tameu More. Um, and this is it, gang. The big wedding issue, the big finale Batman and Catwoman are getting married, and I'm assuming their big day will go off without a hitch, right? It'll go perfectly as yep. planned, right? No one will interfere. It'll be a, a, a wonderful day that everyone can celebrate. Um, yeah, this is, a, you know, again, it's Tom King writing Batman. Uh, it's kind of like the story that 
he was setting up in his Batman run, but then they he decided to leave the series and then they spun the story off into this series. It's kind of confusing why they made this a separate series, honestly, but I really enjoyed this overall. It is one of these books that I do think I need to go back and reread in one sitting to really sort of to fully enjoy and appreciate because Tom King has been doing this, uh, basically running three parallel timelines in the story where you have, you know, the young Selena Kyle sort of determining whether or not she wants to continue to be a criminal or kind of, you know, turn her, her life around, uh, going back and forth on that, the morals of what she's doing. Um, you have her meeting Batman and that relationship. And then it's, there's a future storyline where after Batman's dead, you know, she's trying to get revenge on the Joker, um, for what he did. And I feel like those three storylines, we see them in each issue, but to go back and reread it, kind of piece all together might be fun. But, uh, yeah, overall, it's a great series. Again, Tom King uh, kind of gets Batman pretty well. And I Clay Man is just such an amazing artist that uh, it's a fun mm-hmm. series. So uh, now it's finally done. Maybe if you haven't read it yet, it might be time to finally finally make that plunge. And think about what you're going to get, uh, Bruce and Selena, as a wedding gift. You know, I, I still haven't picked it out. I didn't check the <laughs> registry, but I guess I'll have to do that. Well, I mean, what do you get the man that has everything, right? <laughs> exactly. What's it? You know, it's funny that you bring this up because I totally forgot about this series. I I thought mm-hmm. it was done. Honestly, I thought it was oh, six okay. issues over and done. Yeah. Um, when I was unpacking all of my comics, I did find the quote unquote wedding invitation that they gave out to different comic <laughs> shops. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I threw it away. But I was oh. like, what a stupid thing that DC did. But also, <laughs> I kind of love it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been there's been uh, any number of comic book weddings. And it's always so dumb and gimmicky because it's like, you know, it can't just be a happy day. They have to build it up and then, you know, it might not go right, you know, because they did build it mm-hmm. up for issue 50 of Batman when Tom King was running Batman. Oh, yeah. And of course, it didn't happen. Right. So and then this series actually get to see it happen. Um, make a note of that for a future episode. Favorite comic book, favorite comic book weddings. We'll have to do a whole episode about that. That might be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be fantastic for uh, the one with yep. North Star and his partner mm-hmm. and this one. That's what it'll yeah. be. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, Kate, what about you? What are you looking forward to reading next? Well, I'm going to finish up Squire. It's due at the library on Tuesday, so I got to spend okay. tonight and tomorrow plowing through the rest of these chapters. Um, but then, you know, talking about our favorite comics from last year made me realize that I have slept on reading the sequel, uh, sequel slash companion. It's described as sequel or versus and companion in various places. So I'm not sure if this is actually a parallel novel versus a sequel. Um, but Class Act by Jerry Craft is that to New Kid, which we're going to talk about in the second half. And I still haven't uh, actually read it, which is crazy because I really love New Kid. Um, this one focuses on um, Jordan's friend, Drew, who's the main character of this one, who's the other um, student of color at their prestigious prep school that's like all white kids. Mm-hmm. It's uh, similar themes. It's about, you know, um, he's worried that even if he works 10 times as hard that he still won't be afforded the same opportunities as his like really privileged classmates at this uh, private school. And they're uh, they develop a kind of rift in their friend group as he figures out that his good friend, Liam is one of these privileged kids or maybe. Um, and so they have to work together to like figure out how to all accept one another, but also ultimately um it's about Drew figuring out how to accept himself and all that. So it's it. This is middle grade. So it's all about you know friendship and finding your place in the world and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. learning how the world works and stuff like that. Um, I know it's coming as a surprise that I would be interested in reading a middle grade book. Um, but you know what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm 
I it were two years, two years, three years almost now going strong of me just sticking to the feel goods. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. sure. and I'm okay with that, especially after reading some really creepy stuff for this episode. So, um, <laughs> it also yeah. just happens yeah. to be yeah. what I can pick up, pick up from physical. It seems like. Even so I'm back at staying with my parents again for the rest of the summer. And so I'm at a different library system, but just like my home library system, um, if you want to read books in physical versus on hoopla, what they actually have in physical is a lot more middle grade books like this, um, mm-hmm. which gotcha. I like because I am working from home on a computer screen all day. So looking at my iPad to read comics is not ideal uh, as a restful thing to do after that all day. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's part of the equation as well, but I'm looking forward to this a lot. Cool. Well, I I might have to check that out as well. I didn't realize there was a sequel, um, but we'll talk more about that in the second half, specifically the book that this that was preceded this one. But for me, um, I guess before I get into my picks, I should talk about the folks that are hanging out with us on Discord today, who have sent over their top of their pile picks. And Danny's reading the variants from Marvel Comics, variants number one, I should say. He was reading Sabretooth number four, and Gray is reading Brink by Dan Abnett and Ian J. Colbert. Um, can't say I've heard of the last one, but uh, Dan Abnett. I mean, can't go wrong there. I've read a lot of his books and they're pretty solid. Um, For me, though, I am interested in reading a book that I picked up very recently. uh, The Con Artist. This is written and drawn by Luke Healy. Um, I was at Forbidden Planet on Thursday when I was in Manhattan just because, of course, you got to go to the comic shop when you're in New York City. And I know that I'm a fancy boy because I get to go to Forbidden Planet. But uh, yeah, I saw this on the shelf and like the tagline for the book sold me, which is a quintessentially millennial tale about friendship and the quest for self-actualization, which feels super heavy and exactly the kind of thing I need to bring me down um, (laughs) right here in this nice, nice, beautiful summer weather. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I feel like Luke Healy wrote this book and is coming directly at me. Um, So I'm I'm really (laughs) excited uh, to read it. Healy's art looks really good and the premise sounds fun enough i mean fun in heavy quotes there uh this is going to be frank's year he's going to do it all find love become a famous comedian and responsibly parent his plants but then giorgio gets hit by a bus self-assured and utterly entitled giorgio has always seemed like frank but better moving in with and caring for his estranged childhood friend quickly starts to chip away at frank's sense of self as well as giorgio's carefully curated online persona is giorgio's penchant for overindulgence truly aspirational or is it ultimately a red flag the further frank is pulled into giorgio's orbit the quicker his existential dread blooms expectation and reality soon collide in a singular tale about trust and confidence and boy oh boy this sounds fun to read (laughs) Um, this is gonna pair perfectly with your midlife crisis i bet you halfway through this book you lose the mustache (laughs) i'll finally have hit it um yeah yes exactly um but yeah, the hardback edition of this book is fantastic. The design, it's really well put together. Um, it feels really sturdy. I love a high quality hard cop or like hardback copy of a comic. Um, and this is from Drawn and Quarterly, so I'm not really surprised there. It's like them and Fantagraphics really put a lot of effort into making sure their physical comics are super duper solid. And um, this one is no different. So I, I just love the idea of you know finding random comics at the comic shop. And Drawn and Quarterly and Fantagraphics are always those publishers that I find a thing where I'm like, there's no way in hell I would have ever found this if it wasn't just randomly yeah. on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading this, even if it's going to probably be a little bit depressing. But yeah, I guess we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month theme, which was your favorite comics that you read from 2021. Uh, Paul, Kate, Kate, and I all picked books that we thought were great. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the books that people on the Goodreads group read as well. So we'll be back in just a second. 
This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about our favorite comics we read in 2021. If you haven't checked out our Goodreads group, that's what the theme was for this month. We wanted everybody to just post the books that they loved that they read in 2021 because sometimes it's nice to revisit books. And it's also nice to recommend some of your favorites to people. I was reading through the thread just before we got into here. And honestly, there are so many banger comics in that list. Like if you're looking for something good to read, please check out the link in the show notes. You will find something that you love. I am absolutely certain of it because they I've read a lot of the books that are in there. I've added a lot of the books that are people recommended to my list because one, the people on our Goodreads group have exquisite taste and they are amazing human beings. And two, given the stuff that I already know that's in there that I've read, like all the other recommendations people gave, I know are going to be good because multiple people gave multiple recommendations. And as much as they're breaking the rules and I can't stand it, I appreciate <laughs> it because I know these people have good taste. So I'm definitely yeah. going to read their recommendations. So <laughs> let's get into things. Kate. Uh, Paul and myself, we all picked out a book that we really loved that we read last year. Uh, so for the show, we're going to we're going to try not to get into too much spoiler territory for today because we do want you to go read these books and we don't want you to be spoiled if you haven't read them already. Today, we're going to be talking about Fangs by Sarah Anderson, The Nice House on the Lake, Volume 1 by James Tinian, Alvaro Martinez, Bueno, and Jordi Belair, and New Kid by Jerry Craft. So I guess uh, we're going to try a new a new format for these types of episodes and see how it works. Give us a shout if you liked it or if you didn't like it, or, you know, if you just want to say hi and, you know, send us an email um, at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. But we're going to go through our top three points of each book and uh, kind of just bounce around from there. So to start things off, let's talk about The Nice House on the Lake. This was Paul's <laughs> pick. Um, mm-hmm. A quick summary for those of you that don't know, everyone who was invited to the house knows Walter well. They know him a little anyway. Some met him in childhood, some met him months ago, and Walter's always been a little off. But after the hardest year of their lives, nobody was going to turn down Walter's invitation to an astonishingly beautiful house in the woods overlooking an enormous sylvan lake. It's beautiful, it's opulent, it's private. So a week of putting up with Walter's weird little schemes and nicknames in exchange for the vacation of a lifetime, why not? Um, And then the book gets really fucking dark and crazy. So I guess (laughs) to get started, Paul, why did you pick this book? Why was this your favorite book from 2021? I know it's funny. I was trying to rack my brain about all the comics I read uh, last year and some that, you know, there's a few that I, I had swimming around in my brain to to suggest for this episode. But this was one that I felt, um, you know, was maybe one I didn't talk about on the show too much already about. And then also one that was easy to find on Hoopla for people to read. Um, mm-hmm. As I discussed earlier, James Tinian IV is basically mastered the comic book pacing of telling a horror story. And that's what this book is. It's creepy as hell. There's this slow, uh, unease, existential dread that creeps into the story um, as it goes on. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, there's a point where you really question, does Walter invite all these people, this these 12 people to the house to sort of save them from something? Or are they trapped there and they're trying to decide that themselves? On top of all that, the artwork is so lovely. I mean, Bueno's uh, line work has a sort of painterly quality. It's almost like brushwork throughout yeah, the book. Yeah. And then Jordi Belair's colors just pop off the page. It's one of the best looking books I've been reading. And uh, so the first volume has the first six issues. And I'll tell you, issue nine is the most recent one that came out. This story just gets bigger and weirder and better as it goes. So if you enjoyed the first volume, definitely keep going with that series yeah i guess to to dig into things um kate what was the first point that you thought of what's your first highlight of this book i so the artwork stood out immediately to me too that the painterly style but i thought the the way that bueno's pencils uh, make it feel like 
both real and surreal at the same time fits the story mm-hmm. so perfectly. I also deeply appreciate because of how big the cast of characters are. There's like quite a few. I didn't count, but like at least like 10 friends staying at this house. You can actually mm-hmm. tell the characters apart even when they're changing clothes day to day, which is huge, huge with the size cast. But also the art is mixed with other like artifacts, so to speak. So you get some like emails and you get like recording transcripts typed out and stuff like that, which works so well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh, it's just chef kiffs all around. And yes, Jordi Belair colors are <laughs> so perfect and add to that surreal, realistic yet surreal feeling at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you're like going back and forth in time as these characters each issue, a different one is sort of telling what happened from the future, but then you're bouncing back to it happening in the present. So it's in the art really helps with distinguishing that and the color specifically help mm-hmm. with dis- distinguishing where you are, whether it's the character now in the present day versus sh- showing you what happened in the past. Um, so in terms of one of those books that could have been extremely confusing with the wrong artwork not only is it beautiful artwork, but it also really helps tell the story in a way that it could have been really hurt by less distinct character to character and jumping around in time and stuff from someone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was the big thing for me. Yeah, this this book scares the hell out of me because of uh, <laughs> Buenos art, right? Like, yeah. uh-huh. I it's think so there unsettling. is a level of realism that feels that is a still also able to be not real at the same time like some of the creepier elements of this book are extremely highlighted by bueno's art and i think if you had given this to you know any other traditional like marvel or dc artist like it it wouldn't have felt as scary i think bueno brings a level of realism to this book that when you feel like it's real you go wow this is beautiful and then when Mm -hmm. he adds something surreal to the world you feel terrified because it feels like it could exist and to me, like there are some moments in this book that are super scary because of how things change on a dime panel to panel and it it terrifies me yeah mm-hmm. very much so and then like even the things that are realistic that you're seeing um that are happening in the world that are horrifying images depicted realistically and you're like oh shit yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just hits you in the face yeah. Uh, Paul, did you? Have, I guess what were your, your highlights beyond this? I don't know if you oh. if you were in the same boat or what. Oh, for the book that I picked to discuss, yeah, I really enjoyed it, Mike. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, sorry. I guess like I don't know if you had any points beyond like the ones that you already made. I kind of yeah. Um, I I feel like I definitely want to stress again how how much the artwork helps elevate the story. If it, again, if it's someone else doing the artwork, I don't know if it'd be nearly as effective. Uh, there is that sort of unease that creeps through the artwork just based on the style that the uh, bueno uses um and i will say you know I, I think you know you if you read this in trade it's it's maybe a more satisfying read but i really like the mm-hmm. way that tinian paces each issue like because i'm reading it month to month and it's like mm-hmm. as soon as that yeah, new I'm issue drops that's the that. first thing i read you know what i mean there's the some yeah. cliffhangers i think issue seven specific i remember being like oh my god he did that now like there's such a twist to each issue that are is both maddening and it just makes you want to read it as soon as it drops. So as soon as I get my hands on the new copy, like that's one of the first things I read each each time it comes yeah. out. That's so a good point. It's really compelling. That maybe that would actually make it a good single versus bad. I just I was yeah. thinking like, oh my god, I'm so glad I'm reading this in trade because it's such a page turner. 
And I would just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they need the next issue immediately, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think it is, um, you know, scheduled as a 12 issue series, I believe. So yeah, issue nine is the okay. most recent. So yeah, yeah, that, that second volume should be dropping before the end of the year, I'd guess. So uh, yeah, you'll get your fix Fingers sooner crossed. than later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, my, my first point was, um, like, that this, this book, like the first issue, if it doesn't ter- terrify you, get the hell out of here, right? <laughs> um, I don't care who you are. I have yeah. never felt so anxious and so overwhelmed by a first issue of a comic. Like, I was super drawn into the story, trying to really focus on understanding all twelve of the characters because it is a lot, right? Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, th- my second, I'm gonna go through my first and my second points here at once because I think we've already started to touch on them, but like, this first issue really smacked me in the face in terms of unexpected twists right something odd is going on in the first issue and the the big reveal at the end of that first issue slayed me like i had to put the book down and do like breathing exercises like i was freaking the hell out for a book like this to come out in the middle of like this global pandemic that we have like who does tinian think he is um doing this to me i feel personally attacked like he went after my anxiety in ways that i didn't think were possible Uh um and i appreciate that like i will recommend that that first issue alone is like if this can't get you into something that isn't a superhero comic i don't know what will because Mm -hmm. it's terrifying bueno's art really draws you in like again going back to what i was saying before that realism mixed with surrealism happens throughout that first issue and throughout the rest of the volume is astonishing um and it, it scares the hell out of me. And I, I really love that. And with that being the like amping the story up to 11 in the first issue and then fe- seeing the fallout as the series continues is unfucking believable Right. <laughs> um, the second part of that is because there's so much to take in. <laughs> this book absolutely sucks to read month to month personally. <laughs> like, oh, OK. <laughs> I like no no shame to 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 Alvaro, Alvaro Martinez uh, Bueno. But I sometimes have an issue telling people apart. Um, like some of the women I feel like are drawn very samey sometimes. And again, that might just be me not having a good distinct picture of everyone in the story um, mm-hmm. and and just being a bad comic reader. But uh, I, I feel like some of the plot lines and some of the characters and their relationships are hard to keep track of. Like I need a yarn board, um, especially with the <laughs> we're calling them data pages, guys, uh, not prose pages, data pages <laughs> Yeah, where there okay. is like just transcripts and different things like that. Uh, I'm, I'm making it, you know, being a jerk about that. But uh Still, some of that stuff is just for me hard to follow. And I think a reread of the series of just reading it all in one go might actually solidify things as I'm in the second yeah. um, half of the story. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I still love the women the piece. I think I think the women piece will help you a lot to read it all at once because I think they're similar ish if you're not getting them all back to back all the time, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. often an issue will only have a couple of the women in it. And so you're not seeing them side by side a bunch, but when you're reading straight through um, it, they've been pretty, pretty clear and consistent. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, like this book probably just warrants a reread. Um, yeah. So I really can't say like this, this complaint that I have is like a really minor one. Cause at this point, who's going to go and wait a month between reading issues. If you can just get the volume. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say like, I think this book probably even with the reveals probably is worth, you know, reading in in succession, if only because you're going to get those reveals and everything's going to turn around. Um, sure. I can't wait to reread this book is basically what it comes down to. Like, I think I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do a full reread of the series um, when I get the second volume, um, even mm-hmm. though I'm reading it month to month. Um, 
Kate, what was uh, your second point? What was the next highlight you had or low light, whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, it goes into goes into the the, the story is just super compelling. It's um, way too page turnery for me to have been to- able to tolerate reading in singles. So I'm very glad I have the trade. That said, uh, this mm-hmm. is so good that it's one of those series, um, knowing that it, now from Paul that it's a maxi that I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had gotten I would love to have these in single issues as like a collector item, you know? So that's a little yeah, disappointing, yeah, yeah. but I bet they'll come out with a, well, it's DC, so it'll also be priced like freaking gold, but the whole maxi in one hardcover or something, I bet they'll oh, come yeah. out with something oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they they do love to stab you in the wallet. So we'll see. But just Tinian is so good at writing mysteries like this with just the really mm-hmm. good slow burn pacing that isn't so slow that you don't get feel like you're getting any payoff issue to issue, where like it's the steady drip, drip, drip. You know what I mean? Like, and then the yeah. big hits to the face sometimes that are <laughs> so good. Oh, just the the mystery. And it's not just the mystery around what's happening out in the world, but also the mystery of some of the things around this lake house, like these weird statues and what all is on this property and why. Mm-hmm. And like, you're figuring it out with the characters, you know, but also... And then also the mystery of like, who even is Walter and why did he do this? Was he doing it as the good thing or a bad thing? Like just these all so compelling. So if anyone is in a reading slump, like where you're having a hard time sitting and concentrating, which I know is very common these days. um, I've certainly have found myself in that place multiple times in the pandemic. This is a perfect book to pick up to get out of a slump like that because it will keep you Mm -hmm glued yeah kate you're gonna have to let us know when you finish this volume because i want to know how you feel about <laughs> okay. the, that last page that last issue man yeah, yeah you're gonna absolutely have to let us know. dude oh my god am i gonna be mad at you guys is it a big huge cliffhanger for the next volume no 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 oh. well <laughs> okay. no the twist yes, is yes and no great. yeah <laughs> okay um well, I guess uh, my my third point for this one is like this is probably the most like anticipated book that i get every month um mm-hmm. i think it's between this and anything that Seisberger is doing just because that's just who I am uh, and the Department of Truth. Like, let's be honest. Like my top books right now are just James, <laughs> James Tinian books, like yeah. Tiny. And uh-huh. I think we're supposed to say Tiny and I don't know okay. everybody. Oh, really? Um, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I really have to credit uh, Tiny and I guess for finding a fun, like insane reason to trap 12 people together and drive them insane without it feeling like torture porn. Um, you know, to go back to my talk about, you know, talking about Walking Dead, like that book feels torturous in the way that it's written sometimes. Like these people are really stretched to the brink and it's it's insane to watch them. And you feel, I don't know, I always felt like tired near the end of reading Walking Dead, whereas this book, the mystery of it feels like there is there's compassion at the center of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you don't really know what Walter's true motives are. I mean, we, we start to find out as the book goes on, but like really in the first couple of issues, even like you, you don't know what his motives are, but it seems to be from a place of love and compassion and care, given the way that Tinian is telling the story about Walter's relationships with each of the characters that are in the story. So I, I this book feels really like real and awful all at once without feeling it's like like Tinian's just trying to show you how fucking evil someone can be. You know, mm-hmm. well, um, I do appreciate that about this book. I think one of the other big differences for me from Walking Dead is that there's a a really interesting difference in the way differences in the way the different characters trapped in the situation or saved in the situation, depending on your point of view, approach it and deal with 
the trauma of it, deal with like how they're going to address the situation, what they're going to do, their feelings. Are they holding it in? Are they having outbursts? What do they want? Like all these different approaches to what's happening to them in their lives. Whereas in Walking Dead, there's a very like sameness of all of these mm -hmm. characters, more or less. There's a, a slight difference in the ones who are trying to like basically take charge versus the ones who folks who are more followers. But there's not such a distinct approach of like how different personalities and different types of people with their different backgrounds would approach a major crisis like this. Um, at least mm -hmm. to my memory, mm -hmm. I will say I have not watched or read Walking Dead in several years now. So apologies if you're sitting there screaming at your you know speaker going, oh, my God, they're totally different. What are you talking about? Um, but <laughs> sure. to my memory, there, there was this pretty pretty much the two camps, people who were trying to like take power in the new zombie world and the people who were just trying to like not get at, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. So, I mean, Paul, great pick. Obviously, I think <laughs> we, yeah. we all hear this is the thing. This is my favorite kind of episode to do because like we, we all picked amazing comics for this. Yeah. Um, I, I even say that about my own because I loved it. But uh, yeah, I guess let, let's move Rightly on. We, so. we're, we need to eventually get through things so um kate let's talk about your book uh you pick new kid by jerry craft um if you want you can I, i'll read the this synopsis that's just how yeah. we're gonna do things i guess um seventh grader jordan banks loves nothing more than drawing cartoons about his life but instead of stand, sending him to the art school of his dreams his parents enroll him in a prestigious private school known for its academics where jordan is one of the few kids of color in his entire grade as he makes the daily trip from his Washington Heights apartment to the upscale Riverdale Academy Day School, Jordan soon finds himself torn between two worlds and not really fitting into either one. Can Jordan learn to navigate his new school culture while keeping his neighborhood friends and staying true to himself? Man, what a book, Kate. I love it. I'm, I'm so glad that you picked a middle grade. Not that I didn't expect you to pick a middle grade, but I had never heard of this book before, and I, I thought it was a really fun read. But before I get into my thoughts, um, Paul, what, what did you think of this book? What were your first your first thoughts um, in reading this? Yeah, like you said, Mike, this is kind of out of my wheelhouse. You know, I don't read a lot of these types of books that are aimed at young adult readers, at least like, you know, of this this tone. Um, so mm -hmm. I appreciated mm -hmm. it having something that I would not have picked up normally. Um, and the one thing that really stood out to me was the way Kraft uh, injects a sort of like imagination into the Jordan as the main character. So like you get in each mm -hmm. sort of the book's broken up into chapters and each chapter has like a title page basically. And there's, it's a pop culture reference. It kind of yeah. like, I really appreciate that. It's very fun in that regard. And then when you get Jordan's uh, sketchbook that he's drawing his little cartoons in the way that's illustrated, it really gives you a better sense of the character in a way. So I really enjoyed the way craft played with form and played with style to kind of give you a better sense of Jordan as a main character. I, I did appreciate that quite a bit. I, very similar to Raina Telgemeier, where she's telling basically, well, Telgemeier is explicitly, you know, memoir comics um, for a lot of hers, but where yeah. her, she as a child is doing a lot of cartooning. I mean, that, you know, Kraft is sharing his own experiences as a kid. So, of course, it's a little kid who's going to do a bunch of cartoons and stuff. But um, yeah. I really like that about this book, too. And I will say, I don't think this is, I think it'd be appropriate for young adults, but I think this is pretty squarely a middle grade book. This one is the first graphic okay. novel to ever win the Newbery Medal, which is a, explicitly a children's literature award. Mm. Um, okay. So oh, not nice. not the teenage audience. So this is the target demo, I think, is like the 10 to 12 gang. That makes sense. Yeah. Which is part of why it's it's pretty on the nose. There's You're not going to have trouble understanding the message in this book, right? 
yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. just so good. I I am a firm believer in that a good story is a good story regardless of what age it's written for. Um, and for sure. this falls squarely into that camp for me. Yeah, it sounds like we all we all kind of had like the same point about this book in that there is a bluntness to the storytelling, and mm-hmm. I I felt like that was genuine, right? Like it wasn't just because oh this is for younger audiences. Like I found yeah. it to be almost endearing that that Jordan's dad was having this conversation that had these undertones of like how was it asking the question not did you enjoy school but like as the only person of color how many per, you know how many kids of color were there at this school like did you feel uncomfortable yep. because of that like having those like in my opinion kind of hard conversations with a kid um is really like nice to see in a comic like this to know yeah. that like craft is telling a story about parents who are willing to have these conversations that are affecting these kids lives every day whether they know it or not um and making sure that they're aware that like yeah you need to be aware of this stuff because you are quote unquote different than the 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 homogenous school that you're going to and people are going to therefore treat you differently because of that right. and it's important for you to take note of that and push back against that um you know and, and throughout the story you know i think jordan has struggles with that a lot like how to how to deal with those types of situations whereas some of the people he meets at his school like his friend drew who is also a kid of color um doesn't and really pushes back um mm-hmm. in a way that that quote people don't quote unquote like because he's being an outspoken kid who who is pushing back and like, why are you calling me a different name? Why are you treating me different because of the color of my skin or, you know, things like that. And I'm like, for a book that's aimed at, like you said, Kate, like 10 to 12 year olds, like these are some pretty heavy subjects, but maybe they're not. Maybe me as a white kid is like, well, you can't talk about that with children because it's too much. But like, this is affecting their day to day life. And I love that craft brought this up in such an obvious way. Yeah. Yeah. And he brought it up in such an obvious way that like, the kids like they should be aware of this and to hand this to a to a kid who would read this to go oh this is like part of my life and i don't know i i found that to be both like i said blunt and genuine at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and and i think it's accessible for i mean like i i of course think about with books like this like how i would have taken it as a kid and i like what kid hasn't struggled with feeling different than other kids in middle school, right? Like there's there's a level mm-hmm. of um, empathizing that I think the way he's put the story together, like any kid can relate to in a way that is really helpful for putting yourself in that in the character's shoes so that the message and the kind of lesson um, can get heard and internalized and understood. Like this would have made me a better 11-year-old white kid. You know what I mean? Sure, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the the sort of bluntness and on the noseness of the dialogue. I mean, it's definitely designed. I think to give voice to the feelings that maybe someone, a kid reading this, would have. You know what I mean? To actually have the characters, oh, yeah. ex- mm-hmm. state explicitly out loud, this is how I'm feeling. Like that definitely helps kids navigate with their own emotions. So yeah, I think it's yeah. well written in that regard. I do say, I will have to say, the teachers are really rude. Some of those teachers, I couldn't believe what oh they were god. saying. I was like, oh my god, you're going to say that to that kid? So it's it's a little bit of both. You know? Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> some of it, I was like, okay, like, I don't know. In my mind, I'm like, there's no way that a teacher, like, intentionally gets two, like, black kids mixed up, like, for a yeah. whole year. And, like, <laughs> and yet, like... I have a feeling that Kraft is telling this story from a world of experience, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Some of this stuff is like so strange; it has to be true. They like you can't make this kind of stuff up. Storytelling. That's mm-hmm. oh man, yeah. that really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> the tag, right? It says it's perfect for fans of Rena Talgemeier and Jane Jean Lun Yang, who did American Born Chinese, which 
Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Like, I have only read Raina Telgemeier, but at least in terms of that, I think that is spot on in terms of uh, if you liked Raina Telgemeier books, that this would be a good book to pick up. And I think you've read um, American Born Chinese, haven't you, Mike? Yeah, I. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because in my mind, Raina Telgemeier is on one end of the spectrum of like, I don't know. I, I don't know, like easier stories to digest, whereas uh, Gene Yuan, uh, Yang, his his comic is like way more in your face about the like racial issues that uh, Asian Americans mm-hmm. face. Right. Like, especially in that book, he's he's very like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to soften, soften up any of this. I'm going to talk about it and it's going to be harsh. Whereas I think this book sits right in the middle of that, where I think mm-hmm. Kraft does a great job of talking about the issues that are faced by kids of color without really i don't know i without i don't want to say softening it but he doesn't he doesn't spend the whole book making the whole book like about jordan's struggle with race in school like jordan has many things that he struggles with throughout school and race is a part of that and whereas reina tagelmeyer i think does a good job of like talking about the the issues that she struggled with as a kid um in i and i've only read like her one book that she did like the the book about teeth right um oh smile um, yeah so a couple of them are about her health problems as a kid so guts is about ibs and panic like anxiety disorder but specifically a phobia and um then smile is about the really significant trauma to her front teeth and all the orthodontic and surgical stuff that went with that. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones are much more focused around like friend group drama. Yeah. And so I, I think Tegelmeyer, I mean, like, again, all three of those, cre- those creators, amazing work, right? Like I've loved all of mm-hmm. those books. Uh, I feel like Tegelmeyer's approach is a little bit more friendly in, in maybe yeah. that's just because the subject matter is a little bit easier to approach right mm-hmm. uh yeah. and again i'm sitting here as a white guy like really like uncomfortable with talking about race in general just because like i don't want to be say the wrong thing or be the wrong you know do the wrong thing but like um i feel like this book sits right in the middle of those three and i definitely would say like if you like those other two this book would work like that's that's definitely the case um that's the short answer here well yeah i guess like my my third my third point for this book uh, was that the chapter openings were dumb and fun, and I just thought that was cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Each chapter had like a pop culture reference that like was clearly something that like Jordan had drawn or something. Which I the 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 throwbacks and the constant drawings of Jordan's inside the book really made this book fun and like really laughable or not laughable. Like it was very funny to me. Like throughout yeah. the whole thing, um, to see his thing or uh, his interpretation of the scene. I I love that Kraft tried to really take a a 12 year old is telling this story approach rather than an adult is telling a story about a 12 year old approach to the thing. So yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. I have to say, like, I mean, at first glance, like, Oh, I didn't really, it, the artwork wasn't my kind of, my cup of tea, I guess, you know, not to, sure. you know, it's art, artist subjective, but first glance is like, oh, it's really my style of artwork. But again, it's like, as you go through it, I realize how much craft is illustrating Jordan's imagination through the artwork. And it kind of made more mm-hmm. sense in that regard. It's like, oh, it's actually really clever the way he's using artwork to kind of give you a look inside Jordan's mind, you know, his imagination as a kid. Yeah, I like that aspect of the art. And in a similar way, the art, just overall illustration of the book, um, wasn't like a, a plus for me in terms of mm-hmm. um, this, like when we're talking about House on the Lake, where it's like, oh my God, that's one of the big selling points. But it also doesn't detract from the book in any way to me, where I think the, right. the if you had to say, oh, what's better? It's like, oh, well, the writing and storytelling is great, but he does both, right? So I think it's, mm-hmm incredibly impressive to be able to do your own art in a way that doesn't detract from the story at all and in some ways adds to it like you're talking about with the imagination sequences but um 
overall, yeah, the art is is pretty. It tells the story appropriately. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's talk about the last book in our list here, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff we saw in Goodreads. Um, the last book in our list is a book that I picked. This is Fangs by Sarah Anderson. Uh, the summary of this is Elsie the vampire is 300 years old, but in all that time, she's never met her match. This all changes one night in a bar when she meets Jimmy, a charming werewolf with a wry sense of humor and a fondness for running wild or the full moon. Um, I guess uh, let's let's start with you, Paul. What were your first <laughs> thoughts of this book or what was your first highlight, I guess? Um, I just I mean, visually, uh, it's such a. Uh a cute little book. You know what I mean? Like the, the size, the format, the illustration, I was sort of familiar with, uh, uh, the creator, Sarah Anderson's work before, but what I really liked was the way her artwork straddles the line between being cute and creepy. You know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. it's such deceptively simple comic book illustration where it's just like, you look at it, it's like, Oh, that's just, you know, black and white artwork. It's pretty a nice line work but then when you kind of look at the cartooning tricks the the facial expressions it's really really complex in a way and it helps tell a story that's not necessarily a story itself it's just a little glimpse of you know their relationship and so i think the artwork right away just makes it a very visually appealing book i i feel like the same way about like it's incredibly like sparse but also like not a single line's wasted so it's super expressive and somehow her faces make the comedy so much funnier where <laughs> I, I don't know how she does it, but in the same way mm. that a really talented comedic actor can deliver the identical line, but it's becomes uproarious, uproariously funny instead of a chuckle. That's what her art does for me in all of her books. Sure. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that like there is there's a subtlety, which is interesting because like if you look at Sarah's Scribbles, which is the series that she's known for, it, it's a totally different art style, but you can see it. It's still there, right? Like her her art style is still there. The level, the type of humor is still there. Um, the visual gags are still there. Um, and yeah, this <laughs> like I said in my notes, like, is this the most adorable book ever? And I mean that in like all <laughs> levels of yeah. things, right? Like this book looks adorable. The story's adorable. Everything about like every time these the, the couple has a good time, I feel really good inside. Like, mm -hmm. how has Sarah Anderson taken a strip comic and made me fall in love with two characters without there really being a core central story other than them getting together and being cute? And it's like, God damn it. Is she one of the most talented comic creators of our time? I, I'm starting <laughs> to think so. <laughs> how did this how did this woman warm my cold, dead heart is what I'm asking. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is so yeah. good because it's so much of like the like acceptance and loving of each other's differences. And it's like so sweet and so monstrous at the same time. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. so funny. Um, but yeah, I you're talking about the book itself being cute, like the the velvet cover with the black trim on the pages and everything. I'm so glad mm -hmm. they did that oh because gosh. the book as an object is just so nice and the hand feels so nice, but also it is very short in a way that I think I would have been upset if I paid $12 and then read it in 20 minutes that I'm not at all when I have this beautiful book to put on my shelf, you know, that it has this nice, it, it made it feel very like worth it for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to follow up on that, I think what, what's really satisfying about it, the book as a physical object, is that it's a book you can just pull off the shelf and kind of flip open to a random page because there's not like a, a true sort of narrative. It's like little slice of life, single page strips. You can kind of just like flip to a random page, chuckle at the joke and like enjoy it. It's a book that 
you might sit down and read in 20 minutes, but you want to have within arm's reach when you need a little pick me up or you need something to giggle exactly. or you want to show it to a friend. Like it's, yeah, it's one of those books you really just kind of just want to have on your bookshelf uh, at hand anytime you need it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I really appreciate comics like this, um, especially like physical editions, like you were saying, Paul, like the ability to just kind of open up to a random page. And if you've read it once, you know everything that's in there. So you get all the context in the moment. Right. Um, I, I feel the same way about this book, the way that I feel about Super Mutant Magic Academy, as well as Nimona, where if I need to read something quick and just for a little fun, like those books are amazing to pick up off the shelf and just like take a look at a, a strip or two right or like right. nimona's it got a couple page stories but it's the idea is still there it's quick it's easy you don't need to really know much other than these two are in love <laughs> <You know? laughs> um and i i think that's so fun like the the jokes and and, and the, the best part about it is like i love that anderson doesn't spend time trying to over explain any of the supernatural stuff like the fact that right. werewolves and vampires are so prolific prolific the word that i'm looking for um they're so like regularly known by people mm -hmm. that you don't have to explain anything like and the jokes all work and land like she's a vampire he's a werewolf let's just run with those ideas we don't have to go into anything um right. I, I i just love that so much context is built into the story um it makes for such an it makes for a really really easy delivery yeah and you know I, we're saying that there's not really a central narrative but there sort of is there because is. each page yeah, yeah, yeah each yeah, page yeah. is a standalone comic strip essentially but you kind of see their relationship get deeper and more involved and you know there's like one page where you can tell like they had a fight and it kind of like tears your heart out i was like damn really like they look mm -hmm. so perfect together but every relationship yeah. every couple will have those moments and like the fact that anderson was able to have just one page where it's like yeah they had a fight they don't get into details but you know it was bad but you know they're able to patch it up it kind of like made you really have a personal connection to these characters like you said but you don't get an over explanation or exposition of like who they really are. You just kind of see them through the relationship that they have with each other. Yeah. Uh, Kate, I, I realized we started to abandon the highlight thing. I, I refuse. Uh, Kate, what's another, what's the highlight that you had on your, on your side? <laughs> this book is everything Twilight should and could have been. Yes. That means team Jacob. <laughs> Obviously. Have you met Edward? Obviously team Jacob. Like this is everything uh -huh. that it, it's everything. That's just there. That's the point. That's, little tidy bow sure um yeah, yeah. i love it so much in terms of like the hilarity and yet sweetness and closeness of the two monsters that are different types of monsters that are together mm -hmm. and uh we could have had this we could have had this stephanie meyer and I, you're just gonna have to live with that for the rest of your lives <laughs> I mean, I, as Kate was reading this book, I think some of my favorite moments over the past week has been just her just randomly sending pictures of the book <laughs> to our group chat that we have. Because, <laughs> like, the one, there's one that you sent um, that's like, the guy is saying, the, the werewolf is like, we should have a baby. <laughs> and, she's, and the vampire woman just responds, for dinner? Like... <laughs> Like breaking dawn right there that could be great there's nothing better than explaining a comic over an audio medium but i'm telling you guys when you read that page you will fall out of your chair laughing um that is that is how funny this book is like i cannot express how funny this book it just is in general like we've talked about it at to add infinitum at this point but like just picking up and just seeing a strip will literally like just brighten your day because everything just works like the timing the pacing the way that things are drawn the layout of every page is just fantastic like the subtle things like that page that i just described in that moment the werewolf is sitting at a table with the 
with the blinds drawn over him so the sun's shining on him and she's sitting across the table from him with the blinds closed so that the sun isn't hitting her it's like all these little things these little like understandings of who these characters are and that they have to adhere to these rules of being supernatural beasts click in every page but nothing's explicitly said it's Mm -hmm. all in the art itself um, because the dialogue is so minimal in most of the pages Um, i really really love that about this book just how well formed it all feels Mm -hmm. yeah um well yeah i guess i don't know any any last thoughts about about this book before we, we wrap up here i mean just everyone needs to go buy this book just just do it just treat yourself in a way that i don't feel like i can say that just as a blanket statement for new kid or nice house on a lake where i i don't don't feel like you could hand that to literally anyone i feel like fangs is so good that in in a very open way you could pretty much give this to anyone who enjoys comics and they as like Mm -hmm. a gift and they would enjoy it and like it totally yeah, it, it definitely is a nice little um, uh, change of pace from the heavy, uh, you know, heavy uh, choices for the rest of the episode. It's definitely not a horror book, even <laughs> though it's about vampires and werewolves, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's not dealing with, you know, sort of uh, the emotions, the heavy emotions of racism in as a kid. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so if you need something, a little pick me up, this is definitely the book to go for. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we did I'm pick a good mix here. Your days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we proved that comics can be anything. Um, yeah. I guess one of the things I did want to I want to call out before we wrap up here is I was just scrolling through the the Goodreads thread, um, and a lot of the books that people said were their favorites from last year were some of my like highly rated books. Uh, Paul G said they were reading uh, the Many Deaths of Layla Star, Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, Incredible Doom, like. Those are some of the best comics that came out and I read last year as well. I'm 100% on board with those. Canavan said they read Kent State last year. I also did probably like one of the best books I read, period, last year. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And Aaron is rereading Hikaru no Go Volume 1, which like, hell yeah. Like, maybe I should go reread Hikaru no Go. It's that good of a manga. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was saying this in the break. Like, I think Stephanie from our group also had like the best year ever in that I she read like Sweet Tooth, Low, Rachel Rising, All of Invincible, The Prince and the Dressmaker. Like, holy shit, what like bangers after bangers of, mm-hmm. of comics. So that was really impressive. I everybody in that thread read a lot of really good books, and I'm like adding to my list of things that I need to read, the ever-growing list. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Paul and Kate, did you guys get a chance to look at that, or were there any highlights that you saw that you're you're thinking about reading or rereading? I mean, it reminded me of some of the stuff that I want to read. Like, I have never read Rachel Rising and want to get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I love what a wide variety of stuff folks in our Goodreads group read. It is very helpful for finding new things to check out, especially as I'm like pretty reliant on digital and stuff right now, which is not always the best for browsing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. St- still in my, because of being being compromised very much in the like lockdown state. Uh, and so doing a lot of like hoopla and um, comiXology and stuff like that. So I have really appreciated our, the Goodreads group and this thread in particular for that kind of um, highlighting of lots of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to make uh, more of an effort to check the the Goodreads stuff out because, yeah, like you said, Mike, the the readers over there have impeccable taste in comics. And I need to uh, just basically I think I might just go to the library when we're done recording here and just find all these books as many as I can <laughs> so I can just binge Hell read yeah. all of them. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. Well, we've we've set ourselves up for a good month in July, I think. Um, yeah. I expect all of or both of you and honestly everyone listening to the show um, to come back having read all of these books because they're they're amazing um, and give us a report, <laughs> a book report, actually five pages, double spaced so that I can give you feedback. <laughs> um, I will be grading them and have them done to you within the week. So um, make sure school. to send those over to ircbpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, next week, we do not have a show. As I said, it's the summer baby. Uh, we're taking a month off. We've got all those Patreon shows that you're going to be getting access to. IRCB Movie Club number one. Mike and Paul read Doom Patrol episode one. Giant Days of Our Lives. A Better Batmobile. It's going to be an incredible summer for you listeners. I'm so excited for all of you to get to check out that stuff. And remember, if you want to listen to more after you finish those episodes, head over to patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Back us at the $5 tier and you can get access to that and more. There's even more Patreon only stuff that's on there that I, we can't air because we just don't have enough time. We just, there's just not enough time in July. Um, and look forward to after we get back for Danny and Paloma to be joining the show. I'm really excited for the first couple of episodes that they have on uh, because the topics, I went a little bit crazy one night and uh, we've got some insane topics coming for after our summer break. Uh, until then, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Ohio Polly. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I'm probably going to be really active or more active on our TikTok over the summer. So, you know, check that out in July. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join now at patreon.com backslash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review our show. I think five stars is a fair rating. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yes, they do have ratings. And wherever you listen to your podcast, because let's face it, we deserve it. <laughs> you can join the IRCB Discord communities, chat comics, and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. Check the link to our Discord in the show notes. And podcasts grow best when they're spread by word of mouth. So why not tell your friends, your family, your local comic shop about I Read Comic Books? I'm sure they'll enjoy the show. I handed out so many business cards when I was in New York because that's <laughs> nice. what you do in New York, baby. Tell oh, yeah. people about your podcast, your favorite book, co- favorite comic book podcast. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music and we love them to death because they make the best music in the universe. Xander's a very cool guy who edits our show and makes us all sound very good. We think we can't thank him enough for his time and service. I want to say thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to all of you listening live. You are fantastic human beings. I want to say thank you to Kate and Paul as well and everyone on Patreon for supporting us. We love you. We'll see you after the summer break i hope you enjoy all the patreon stuff we're going to be dropping on the feed and until next time comics are good and so are you